Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Well, I am privileged and honored to get to share with you all this morning. Um, Didn't know I was going to get the call, but my faithful spiritual father gave me that text tonight or one night this week, and I said, yes, sir, we're on. We'll get it done. (laughs) Because I I am, again, man, I really fully and completely understand what the Word of God says, that those of us who are called to teach the Word are judged more harshly. That's your Bible and mine, okay? So because of that, I take this seriously. This isn't just like, oh, cool, I have an opportunity to kind of get on stage, say some stuff. No, 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 no. I would rather just not say anything if I'm not going to take it seriously. And that's what I'd encourage you all, not just from a standpoint of those of you who may have a public leadership call, but I want to encourage you. This is not in the notes. This is a freebie right here, man. For those people, you're called to impact and touch and speak into their lives. And somebody who looks to you maybe and says, man, I don't know God, but you know, gosh, man, John knows God. I'm going to go talk to him. Take that seriously, the reality of that, and go into your prayer closet and go into that place of getting deeper in relationship with the Father and what his word has to say so that you're ready when that person comes to you to say, man, I don't know anybody who knows God. I had friends who came to me in desperation and said, man, I don't know if anybody can answer this question or, or knows God, but I know you do. I was humbled by that. And that's, that's well before any pastoral ordination, any of that stuff. It was just because of living as a faithful believer, which is what we're going to talk about this morning, living our lives as faithful believers. So I encourage you, take it seriously today. It is an absolute privilege and honor. So again, thanks, Pastor, for the, the chance to stand here. And again, thank you all for being here. And um, let's get into it. Let's read the word together. We're starting in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. We're talking about being light in the darkness today. Let's read. And seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, And trampled under people's feet. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Lord, we thank you today for your word. It is life, it is spirit, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And today as we open it, Father, I pray that you would just speak to us, you would just show us the things that we need to know, show us where we need some course correction, encourage us where we know we've been doing it right and you are affirming that, God. Everything that your word brings, God, we receive today. So I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, well, 
We've been talking about being people of the presence over the last few weeks. Pastor Hector got that thing going. And me and Pastor Ron just decided to jump on the train, and I think it worked out. So we talked over those couple of weeks about the impact of living in, in his presence and what it, what it does to our lives. You know, we talked about who we are in Christ as people of the presence. We talked about what our purpose is and how we live it out. And we also talked about allowing God's transforming work to happen in us. So as people of God's presence today, we want to talk about the practical reality of what it means to be salt and to be light. Not just what goes on your bumper sticker, not just what goes on the little tag that you go have made. I don't know how you do that. I guess you guys have those made, the people who have them on the back of the window with like your kids or like salt life and stuff like that. I guess people have them made. Not just that, not just the mug, not just the t-shirt, but the actual impact in your life, which then impacts those around you. We want to talk about that today. So here's what I want to deal with a bit today. I think as we look at this passage of salt and light, verses 13 through 16, I think most commonly we see that as an opportunity for us to go out and do good works, right? Most believers will look at it that way, and it is absolutely that. It's every bit of that. But I think one of the things we've missed over the years of looking at this passage is the connectivity with the Beatitudes from verses 3 through 12. Because those talk about what's going on in your life, in your house, in the depths of your heart, in your marriage, in your relationship one with another, with your coworkers, with your teammates, with your friends. That's what that talks about. And out of that, we then have these good works. So, so see, what I want to get us to think about today is not just this idea that, man, there's a missions trip opportunity or there's Reach Week, and I do want you to sign up for Reach Week next time when it comes around. Please don't stay home. Please sign up for Reach Week, okay? That the, the food bank needs somebody or, or, or Sierra or Created needs somebody. Good works, absolutely, should be done. Galatians 6.9 tells us that. But I want to encourage you today that, man, sometimes I think we've left on the table the reality of simply living our lives in Christ faithfully as a testament of salt and light. Simply living our lives faithfully. I don't mean leaving out the outreach. I'm just saying getting even more serious so that the life lived in Christ is so serious and faithful that when it's time for outreach, oh man, this is just an explosion. The anointing is absolutely present and it's powerful because we haven't just set ourselves to go out to do a good work, to be salt and light out there, but we've said, Literally, I want to receive it to live it in my life right here, first and foremost. And so today we want to take a few minutes, maybe more than a few minutes, and I want to look at the Beatitudes. I want to look at those first and then springboard us into this idea of salt and light. So what do the Beatitudes teach us about this thing of living for God's glory? When you look at that word, uh, it's from the, the Latin, Beatitudo which leads, means basically blessedness or blessed or happy. So basically we're, it's proper, we're in our proper place. We're blessed in God when we live out these things. And just like we just talked about, these come out as an outflow of the fact that we are new creations in Christ. Again, 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and the new has come. So it's out of that that we're living this life. So what does this say? Let's go verse by verse here. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? What does that mean for me? The bottom line is to realize you need God's help for salvation and then to live for him. 
The poor in spirit is not about a monetary situation, though it may accompany that at some point. But it's the fact that you've realized that I don't have what I need if I am not in God, if I am not a person of his presence. I don't have what I need. I need God's help. This idea of the two lives for believers cannot happen any longer. If you're still there, I'm imploring you today, get out of it. There is no two lives. You have one life in Christ. There's not a separate, this is my Sunday deal, these are my Christian things, and then I do all the real life stuff, like go talk to my investment advisor, go figure out how to pay the rent, go get this job, go over here and get some food, whatever. There are no two lives. I realize I need him in all of it. There's nothing that I can accomplish except through him. Like we talked about a few months ago when I was preaching, listen, everything is through him and everything is for him. So there is no part of my life, even down to the basics of how I shop at the grocery store and how I use my money, that is all in Christ. And no, it's not over-spiritualized. That's exactly where we need to be when you think that way. It's the very idea that some things are that super spiritual, but this is super regular that causes us to get in trouble. Because then at some point, someone can convince us that this thing that they want us to be involved in or support or be a part of or live our life out like is okay when it is an absolute affront to the kingdom of God. It's an absolute dishonor to him. But if we'll live our lives as one life in Christ, whole, it's a whole different ballgame, realizing I need him. Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Realize that your sin puts you in a place of needing God's forgiveness and healing. Are we in a place of mourning over sin or is sin just kind of like, eh, you know? Come on, church. I get into it every week, which is why Brian and I do what we do with our our ministry for sexual purity for men in our church family. We do a Conquer Series and Warpath. If you're interested, please contact us, see us, call us, email us, whatever you got. I encourage you. Get into it because we realize, man, that sin is an absolute Pain and a frustration to God. He does not receive honor in sin. And even more so, he sees his children bound up in it, and it is even more a place of anguish because, man, that's not what I created you for. You were made for more than that. Why are you down there in that still? I made a way with Jesus for you to be redeemed and restored. And not only that, for you to then be able to live out what I've called you to. You don't have to stay there. And remain in that. Do we mourn? Man, I mourn. God, I'm so, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want my life to be marked by that. Mourn and realize that we need his forgiveness and healing. Verse 5, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Be humble and confidently trust God. Meekness isn't weakness, as I love to quote Pastor Ron on that one. Meekness isn't weakness. It's simply a proper perspective on who God is and who I am. I'm going to say it again. I don't think everybody got it. Meekness is about a proper perspective on who God is and who I am in turn. So I don't come beating my chest thinking I got something special. Keep it in check because I realize with humility that God is the one who is overall and the one who is the authority. And I simply say, yes, Lord. With joy because anything that's for his glory is for my good. Anything for his glory is for my good. God's not holding back on you. That's the lie that they told, that, that, that the enemy told Eve. Hey, Eve, listen, 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 Eve, which she shouldn't have, right? She shouldn't have listened. That was the issue. Listen, 
God is just trying to hold back on you, girl. You know all you could do. You can shine, baby. Everything. Just do you. Take the apple, girl. It's all good. Come on. Go ahead. Then Adam showed up and, all right, cool. His wife was over there looking fine with an apple, so he just took it, unfortunately, which should not have been the case. But that's our fallenness as human beings. We thought, oh, maybe there's something more that God's holding back from me because there's these boundaries that I can't cross. No, you realize in humility, man, I don't know. He knows beginning from the, e- the end, alpha and omega, all-knowing God. So trusting him and having confidence, not in myself, but in him is what we absolutely need to do. So again, meekness isn't weakness. It's a proper perspective, understanding, no, 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 no. I'm humbled before him. I need to remain that way because I can trust him. Again, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Desire God's character to be produced in our lives and the lives of others, and you'll be satisfied in relationship with God. This is so many of those details of life. Do we hunger and do we thirst for righteousness? You know, I heard a preacher real passionately declaring something the other day. He said, man, listen, if, if, if Jesus, his very presence and his word is not enough, it's not enough for you to want to turn away from sin, I'm not saying be perfect, but turn away from sin. Man, I don't know if you're really saved yet. Because your desire is not for that. I'm not saying that you completed it. I'm not saying that it's finished, but that you don't have a desire to turn at all. You know, I was sharing with the Santa Fe baseball team this week when we had our chapel on Thursday. And um, the, the message I had for them was discipline your desire. Discipline your desire. Because, you see, even as we consider something like the things that would lead us away like sin, if you look in James chapter 1, what leads us away? Our own desire. Well, you know, God, the devil came and he made me do this thing. Well, you know, God, if my wife didn't say this, then, you know, or if my husband didn't come at me that way, or, you know, these kids that, that we got to deal with, um, or, you know, that coworker, you know, she's kind of extra, God, and uh, I ask you all that. Here. It's in here. reason why you had the response you had was this. reason why you dealt with what you dealt with was this. Stop blaming everybody else. Extreme ownership. Isn't that a book? That is a book, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is an intense book. (laughs) Grab a copy. He's not even paying. He doesn't even know who I am. But we got to have extreme ownership in this thing and hunger and thirst for righteousness because that's how we'll be filled. But we got to really put the assessment on ourselves and say, do I actually desire that? Or is it simply just, "Eh, that's what I do because culturally, you know, I'm a Christian and that's acceptable. Or is it actually what I hunger and thirst for? Like, it should grieve us, man. They're doing some hot mess out there in some of the schools, y'all. If you don't know, good Lord. Stuff that most of us would say, turn the TV off. That ought to never be seen. Is being done and taught and read to our kids. Thank God for the missionaries who are in there. Like my girl Heather Christian right here, okay? Thank God for the missionaries in the system. 
of the schools. Yes. Valdi and whoever else, if you're in the public school, I'm sorry, I didn't remember to, to mention you. But it's missionary work, man. But dude, there's some crazy stuff. Do we have a heart within us that says, God, I want to have the absolute horror of sin and what it means in an affront against you? You know, I've made this example before, but it's literally like if we pulled up the most beautiful $2 million sports car out there under the awning, we'd all, oh, wow, that's cool, wow, amazing. And then next to it pulled up an old school, we used to, what do we used to say? An old hoopty. We used to say back in the day, a hoopty, man, a busted ride or a beater. No one really cares. Rust is like what's holding it together. And a little kid comes up with a key and scrapes the hoopty. Nobody's like, <laughs> you probably helped it. You knocked some of the rust off. But if they go over to that, that Bugatti, and that little kid went over there with a key and scratched that, <gasps> oh, my God. Everybody. That is nothing compared to God's value. You hear me, church? Every sin is worse than the scratch of a key on a $2 million sports car. Do we see that? And then say, God, I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness, for your work. Don't say, oh, it's good, it's fine. These two things, God's not nitpicking. He's just saying, man, I'm just trying to get you where I originally created you to function and operate. That's going to lead us to that place of being that salt and light that the world needs to see. Let me jump to the next one. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Mm, I'll read that again for me as a dad of children. Oh, yes. Witness my conviction, church. <laughs> Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Show kindness and forgiveness to others, and you'll receive as well. Man, we're quick to get up in that seat. Like, she does. I mean, I wouldn't do what she's doing, God. Thank you that I am not like her and all her busted, crazy extraness. Sinner. I'm the righteous. Am I right? We can see everybody else's stuff really clear. Really clear. Like super clear. <laughs> but then you go to that mirror, and I will reference the sermon I preached about a month and a half ago. You go, and then you want a little mirror for you. Take a sip of water on that one. You got a little mirror for you. You got a real big mirror for your neighbor, though, don't you? How did, how did they not see that so obvious? God is like, oh, my child. <laughs> Let my Holy Spirit and my work convict you because you got the big stuff in you, too, that you need to deal with. And that's why Matthew 7 says it the way it does, is that it's a speck in your brother's eye, but it's a plank in yours. And that's what you got to deal with. And that's what you got to work through and realize, man, show mercy and kindness and forgiveness to those around you because you'll receive it as well. Yeah. You know, I'll bunny trail here to Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, Jesus actually says it this way. He said, if you don't forgive your brother or your sister their trespasses, neither will my heavenly Father forgive you. 
Let me say that again. He said, if you don't forgive your brother or sister their trespasses, again, I'm paraphrasing, then my heavenly father won't forgive you. You're going to reap what you're sowing. That's a big deal because we're quick, again, to see what's good in all uh, that we have, and we don't see any of our issues, but we see all of them for our brother or sister, our neighbor. Oh, they have this and they have that and all these different things. Instead of saying, you know what? I hunger and thirst for righteousness, and I do want to see that produced in them too. But you know what? I'm going to understand and say, man, Lord, do a work in their life. I was convicted this week to do that. I'm speaking right out of my soul here for you people. Somebody who I was thinking about, and I was like, oh, my God, just straight up. God, what is that? That's just dumb. And I was like, did you pray yet? Uh Yep. You feel me, John. You feel me. Uh huh. Did you pray yet? Did you pray and believe that I would do a work in their life, that the Holy Spirit would convict them, that they would see what the Word says in this area, or were you content just to sit back there with your popcorn? You like Michael Jackson in the Thriller video, watching? Or are you saying, "Man, Lord, God, this is this is not good for their life, but You alone can do a work." Because your word says that all things work together for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. So God, right now, I just pray for my brother that he be convicted of that, God, because it is not going to produce in his life. Listen, I'm working it out right now, y'all, because that wasn't my first response. It was not. Throw stones if you want. It's okay. I mean, don't right now. Sorry. No, but really, that's, we got to look at it and say, man, is that being produced in me or not? And say, Lord, help me to be among the merciful. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Pursue purity, which affects every area of our lives, leading to the ultimate prize, of which is seeing God at the end of this life. Purity of heart in all ways. You know, one of the things that caused me to stay in this church, by God's mercy and grace and, and sovereignty was Pastor George was preaching a message that offended the heck out of me about the second week I was here. And so he got, I always say, people are like, oh my God. I was like, I don't get offended really much with anything Pastor says because he got it out real early with me. Like, I was mad. So I was like, I guess it happened early. So now it's just like everything else is pretty much like, oh, okay, it's fine. But he was preaching a message about purity and I was over there not really doing it, <laughs> walking in purity with relationships, Okay. And I'm offended, and I actually thought he was talking about me. <laughs> Let's, I'm going to take you back, back to South Campus over on 24th Avenue. And it was right about, right about where Rick's sitting, or Carice, right over in that area there. And I'm sitting there with my friends and my girl. And pastor starts preaching, and he's talking about what people don't do in their lives and these issues they have. And he literally comes down. You don't even remember this. He literally starts walking. Camera people don't hate me. He starts walking down the aisle in my direction. He's all, I'm like, bro, why are you in my spot? Like, why are you all in my mail? Like, who, like, how does he, which is ridiculous because he hadn't even met me yet. You know what that was called? Uh, the Holy Spirit convicting. He didn't even know. Pastor didn't even know who I was. Didn't know one day he would allow me to stand in this pulpit by God's grace and sovereignty and be a part of this team. He didn't know that. But surely that was the word of the Lord by the Holy Spirit that came that day to convict a young college kid of what he was doing to say, man, listen, listen. 
Listen, Ignacio. Sorry. For all you nacho people. <laughs> oh, I had to get a nacho libre reference in there. I had to. I had to do it. Listen to Ignacio. But literally grabbed a hold of my life at that moment. I never forget it. It's one of the life-defining moments. I don't know if I ever even told you that, Pastor, but there you go. Now you got another story in there. <laughs> but it convicted my life, and it caused me to say, wow, Lord, what do you say in this? What do you say in this? So pursue purity. Again, it's going to affect every area of life, and it's going to lead to the ultimate prize of seeing God. So I encourage you today to look at yourself and say, where? Is it sexual purity? Is it money? Is it the way that I look at other people? Is it my discipline? Is it that maybe my house is out of order and I need to deal with it? Is it the way I work or the way I don't work? <laughs> what's, what's the area of purity that the Lord wants to do in me? Because that walk is taking me further and further down the road because in the end I will see him. Yeah, because all these things we're talking about, it's not produced because you decided to do it yourself. It's because God is doing a work in you because of his grace and his mercy. Somebody say amen, hallelujah, praise Jesus. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Promote peace. Now, let's go deeper. I'm going to hang out here just for a minute. When Jesus is making this statement, he's referencing the, the Hebrew term shalom, which means total well-being both personally and communal, communally. So that's what he wants us to engage in as children of God who reflect his character. This is a very holistic perspective on peace. You see, we have a limited understanding of peace, right? We see the situation going on over in Russia and Ukraine right now, and we're thinking, oh, man, peace, that's, the, that's what peace is, right? Oh, my gosh, me and my wife are, are fighting. Uh, we need peace, right? Oh, gosh, I got this coworker, and there's this situation. I want peace, right? I got this teammate, super frustrating to me. We need to have peace and just stop the fighting. That's, very, that's one slice of it. Here, this is far more comprehensive than the idea of an absence of conflict. When we talk about the shalom, peace of God, which is what he wants us to pursue. Again, the truth is that this comprehensive definition of peace at times will require some conflict. Y'all weren't ready for that one. Let me say it again. At times will require some conflict and then resolution to restore things to God's proper order, which is true peace. Kylas, come here, buddy. Didn't tell him ahead. This is my muscle-bound baby. He was the original baby. How you doing, man? Hey, that's tight. Wow. <laughs> now, Kylas, just like I interviewed your mother a couple weeks ago, do we often have conversations in our room when you go sit on the chair or on the little, the little bench on the side about what's going on in your life? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Are all of those super comfortable? I'd say none of them are comfortable. <laughs> He says none of them are comfortable. <laughs> cool. All right, guys. All right. Thanks. Appreciate that, man. <laughs> there are times he's only one of the six that has a talk with mom and dad in the bedroom. I do agree. Probably he's right. None of them are comfortable to start with, but they're all wonderfully fruitful. 
because sometimes a conflict or a dealing with an issue has to happen in order that proper order and peace in God's kingdom can be restored because that's shalom. It's not peace as in, hey, bro, have a good day. Hey, hope the war stops. Hey, I hope you and your wife stop fighting each other. That's a piece of it. Pun intended here. <laughs> That's just one part of it. But it's a holistic piece of the proper order of how God created things to flow. That's what we want to be pursuing when we're promoting peace. Not just being pacifist because truth be told, there's not a biblical... That'd be a whole nother sermon. There's really not a biblical background for you to be a pacifist completely on 100%. Okay? The way I would teach it to 12th graders when I taught at the rock school was this. If I had the ability, because of a firearm that I had, again, this, if you're a non-2A person, just, just be okay with it right now. <laughs> a man shows up in that classroom when I'm teaching these 40 12th grade students. Their parents will be happy if I take him out. If he shows up with an AR-15 to take out these babies. They're not really babies by that point, but there are babies because, you know, we birthed them, okay? And every year, without fail, I'd have kids who even challenged, went back and forth on certain issues of violence, things like that, and they would be like, huh, wow. I guarantee you when I hand those parents their baby that night and say, hey, this guy came to kill your kid, and, and we dealt with him. We dealt with that guy so that your son and your daughter came home to you tonight. Until you go down to Parkland, so some of those parents think who had who lost their kids that day with that shooting. And to restore proper order, sometimes there is a conflict that takes place. Uh, not comfortable at all. That's why, dude, you will not, I, I say you won't, but I, I feel like you won't find a more patriotic immigrant than myself because, man, Dude, every time I see somebody who serves in the military, if they'll have me, I want to come shake their hand or say thank you or, man, I appreciate you. Every time I see a cop, I'm like, dude, you first. Man, you're out there laying your life down so that I can have order in the street today. I'm not worried. You know, I walked out the other day and realized I had left my car door, like, physically open. <laughs> physically open all night. And I just sat there. I said, oh, Jesus, thank you. I said, God, thank you for that guy down there as a sheriff, that guy over there who works with the police department, that guy over there, because it's not very attractive in my neighborhood when you see all those cars for a criminal. Straight up. But you know what? They don't show up. They don't show up praying for people most times. A conflict can ensue, which then restores proper order. That's not what we want. We don't want to remain in that place. That's what I'm saying is even now, let me take it back into your life. There may be issues of conflict in your life that are struggles and difficult and in your marriage and in your friendships and in just you yourself that you got to deal with, which will then restore proper order. And then that shalom peace comes in. Oh, yeah, everything's right now, man, because we're back to what God's proper order is. And it's not just the absence of conflict that I was in pursuit of, but rather I was in pursuit of God's perfect design. That's what sanctification is about. It's us walking out this, this process. All of these scriptures deal with that. All right, let's get to our last batch here. And then I got a couple of points for you. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. That's the parts that we wish you would have left out sometimes. 
Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You might suffer some for Jesus' sake at whatever level that is. That might be physical harm like some of our brothers and sisters. Man, thank God we haven't had to deal with it here, but we've had to deal with it in other ways. That might be loss of relationship. That might be loss of a platform. That might be loss of a job. That might be being ostracized in a certain place. Why? Because of what I stood for in Christ. I have a brother in this house who dealt with some serious issue at his workplace because of a stand he took for Christ. Didn't do anything wrong, was an amazing employee. But they very quickly blackballed him to push him aside. Why? Because of their issue with what he chose as a walk of faith. Okay. So be it. So be it. Why? Because in so doing, I'm enduring persecution for righteousness' sake, and I show that we value God and his ways above everything in the world, just as Jesus and the prophets did. You see, what I want to encourage you today is what I have to deal with too is, do I want the praise and approval of man more than I want the praise and approval of God? There are times it's going to take you making that decision and saying, okay, easy path, everybody's going to love me over here. Over here, I'm going to be the bane of their existence and they're going to hate me. Now, clarifier, if you're over here being hated by people because it's your own fault, then go back to step one and get in the word. <laughs> okay? Don't come now and blame your jerk status on Jesus. Can I say it again? If you decide you're going to be a jerk and difficult to deal with, don't, oh, well, you know, I'm persecuted for righteousness. No, you're not. You're just a jerk, bro. Come on. No, you're not. You need an attitude adjustment. You need a day at the beach and, and, a, and a cheeseburger. Just don't. Just please don't. Don't defame the name of God in that way. Oh, everybody against me because, you know, I'm, I love the Lord. Do they really or is it because you're a jerk? Or you don't know how to talk to people. I'm just being honest. Okay, to know me is to love me. Okay, come on. But really, that's one of those things. Are we allowing actual true conviction to say, man, I'm standing here on right for righteousness sake. Or is it you just being extra? You're just being a jerk. You're just being somebody who people don't want to be around or whatever. But if it's in Christ, yeah, praise God, man. You know what? We'll take some arrows with you as brothers and sisters of Christ, and that's what we got to learn to do. But there are times that we may need to step to a brother or sister and be, listen, bro, I got your back, but here's the deal. If I was them, uh, I'd be mad at you too. <laughs> it's, that's honest. That's honest. But if we're persecuted for righteousness' sake, then, oh, man, that's a beautiful and a wonderful thing. And that's where we're called to live, all right? So a couple of points before we wrap this thing up. To apply this, all right, be faithful to God's word for our lives by living as we are called to do. A reminder, you are salt and light. You are salt and light. Live according to your identity in Christ. Live according to your identity in Christ. This is what I want to remind you guys. There is no angle from which in this scripture we say, I am attempting to be salt and light. You guys hear that? It's not there. The scripture says it right there. You are the salt of the earth, verse 13. You are the light of the world, verse 14. Non-optional. You see that? Non-optional. 
meaning I simply need to live out who I'm called to be in Christ. It's not a volitional thing where I'm trying to like make it happen. If I'll really do, man, I'll sign up for six more outreaches and then I'll be really open and outward at work, then that'll mean I'll be salt and light. No, 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 you are. Now live like it. You are, now live like it. That's simply it. It's his work being done in our lives. You are. So live according to your identity in Christ and be exemplified, which is exemplified in his word. This is, again, I'm going to get back on this thing. This is why our kids are being attacked right now on identity. Because identity is primary to then living out what we're called to live out. When I'm confused, when I can't even figure out if I'm a boy or a girl, when I can't figure out if I'm neither, when I can't figure out who my mom is, who my dad is, whatever, and I know when those basic questions are not being dealt with, that is simply a symptom. Okay, it's like a cough, you know, a sneeze, whatever. It's a symptom. You know, sometimes I have an issue and I call Dr. John and say, I'm like, Dr. John, this is what's going on. Hey, what do you think? <laughs> I'm not dying. Okay, I'm not dying. <laughs> what's this other thing? There's symptoms that show up of a deeper issue of identity. And we have to be serious enough to say, okay, Lord, I need to really fully understand and be convinced of who I am in you because that's going to impact everything else and determine how I actually live. So we live according to that identity. Second, being salt and light means that usefulness and productivity are built into who we are. Usefulness and productivity are built into who we are. So salt and light are validated by their functions that benefit those who use them. So when we're salt and light and we live according to all those things that I was talking about there in the Beatitudes, what happens is we have a fruitfulness which is undeniable. And in addition to that, it's beneficial to those people around us that we didn't have to like conjure up and fix it up and, and put it together and kind of push it along. No, we have a fruitfulness because we are salt and light. And that's my encouragement to you today is realize who you are. A lot of people out there trying to tell you who you are or for you to figure it out. Let me help you. Don't waste your time. You're not going to go find yourself. Okay? If that's somebody asking you to go on a quest to figure out who you are and look deep within, no. Look and put your eyes on Jesus. What does it say in Colossians 3? Our lives are hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then we also shall appear with him in glory. So seek God. Set your mind on his ways because in finding and receiving who he is, you find and receive who you are. Come on. I'm telling you, don't look within you. Don't go on some journey out somewhere else. If you're going to go on a journey, go on a journey to this word by the Holy Spirit to receive what God says about you. In so doing, you will find everything you need to know about yourself. I mean, you're not going to like all of it. Like when you get convicted of stuff, hello? Like, oh, well, God, you know, I think that was for somebody else. No. That's you, buddy. Are you going to respond or not? My grace is provided. My word is provided in order that you can respond to it and then become who I've called you to be. But if you're going to just leave it alone, then you're just going to leave it alone. And don't be surprised when you get those results of leaving it alone. You know, it's so tough sometimes when I look at people's situa situations in relationship. Um, 
And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking, dude, if you would just accept and receive this, like I see it in marriages sometimes, you know, been able to encourage people, counsel, whatever. Listen, if both of y'all would just see what the word of God says about you and realize that you are not each other's enemy, the enemy, Satan is your enemy, and you guys are your greatest ally, this thing would be so much easier. <laughs> but if you'll continue to remain doing the things that are not who you are, See, we accept far too much of the flesh. Oh, well, it's just my personality and I just kind of do these things and, you know, it's the way I grew up and stuff. No, stop accepting that as the stamp. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away and the new has come. You don't have to keep doing that stuff at all. The authority of God is within you to say absolutely not. And to quote Pastor Cheryl from back in the day, just stand strong and tell the enemy and all his demons to go back to hell. They have no right and authority. Jesus does. I don't have time for what you're bringing into my life. So get out of my face, devil. What I do have time for is what Jesus says about me. That's what I want to receive. Because then I'll live as I'm called to live because I am that which he says. Mm, my goodness, if you're not having fun, I'm having fun today. Verse 13, 14, and 15. If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. Again, literally, the function is built in because we are in Christ. So those certain things are not even present because we are who we are called to be in Christ, salt and light. Lastly, oh, I got one more. So our light is not to be hidden, to provide light to all. It's to point people to see God's work, glorify God, and know him. This is what's said about the light, that you are. That light's not to be hidden. It is to provide light to all, and it's to point people to see God's work, glorify God, and know him. The light that you are. And today, if you've backed off of it, I'm encouraging you to step up to the plate. Because it's not about you. It's about what God does in you and then through you. You are the light of the world. Lastly, last one. Be open to God's guidance and correction in every area of your life so that you can become fruitful and continue to be fruitful. Become fruitful and continue to be fruitful. To not function properly as a believer is as detrimental as salt that has no saltiness or light that is hidden. I'm going to tell you a story to wrap up. I was in the office. I'm not often in the office. Our office is in, on the South Campus. Pastor Ron's laughing because he knows I'm never in the office. I usually work here or at a coffee shop or something like that. So in our office, I was down there. I had a couple of hard-boiled eggs. And... Uh, you need some salt and pepper. Go look in the cabinet. Pepper was right there. And I saw the salt, and it looked like the salt had been there a real long time. But I said, we'll give it a shot. Took the salt out. I put it on. And I started eating my eggs, and I was like, I put a whole bunch on there, and I don't really taste much of anything. I don't know if you've ever experienced salt that's basically done. 
This salt literally had lost its saltiness. I mean, I could have dumped a handful, nothing. And I thought, oh my God, I love when the Lord uses life lessons. I said, Lord, that's what you're saying. I might dump as much as I want on there, go do 15 outreaches, go say, I'm a Christian, look at my t-shirts and my cups and my mugs. But if I don't have the real saltiness and the real light because I know who I am in Christ and I've allowed his work to happen in my life like we went through all those beatitudes, it's about as good as that. And you know what I did with that? Little trash can under the sink. What was I gonna leave it for? Pastor Ron would be mad if I left it in there and he's trying to eat a hard boiled egg putting salt on it, it don't work. Right? I mean, you've been mad for a little bit because you love me. But that literally was an example to me that day. I said, oh, my God. That's where it's at, Lord. I said, if we don't function like we're called to because we know who we are and then live, it's, that's what Jesus said. It's as good as that. But I believe there's more. Today, I believe there's more for every single person in this room. Come on and stand with me. I believe if you're in this place, and you realize and know, man, I am called to be salt. I am called to be light. It is not about my struggle in any way. It is about my submission to what God says about me in his word and by his spirit. And so, Father, I pray over this people today and declare, God, we have no time for any lie of hell. We have no time for any work that the enemy would desire to bring against us. We have no time for that lazy, just getting by Christianity. But Father, what we do have time for is saying, Lord, point to us and show us who we are. Say what you say to us, Lord, and what we need to know from your word. And God, we will live fruitful lives that bring glory and honor to you. And God will impact this community. God, I'm declaring that not one person in this room will be salt that lost its flavor, will be light that's hid under a basket. But I'm declaring every single one of them will get up and begin to move and to function and to operate as you've called them, as you have established them. God, I declare that in businesses, in schools, in families, God, all of us are receiving what your word says, God, so that the purity of your godly character can be developed in each of us. And as it's developed in us, the impact on the outsider will be undeniable and unstoppable. So I'm declaring, God, that people are going to workplaces this week, and because those things are being produced in their life, the boss is even going to be like, oh, my God, what happened to you? That marriages today, today, they're going to be like, wow, man, you look as beautiful as the day I married you, baby. That parents and children are functioning as they were called to, God, today, because we're saying, God, do that work within us, Lord, because we are being reestablished and reminded who we are. And therefore, God, assault and light, God, we are impacting and touching and affecting those around us, God. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Now, if, if today you know that's not you because you haven't yet received Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior, I want to invite you today. He is here. He's well able to save you by his spirit, by his word. And so if that's you today and you know you need Jesus in your life, while all the heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just put a hand up. We want to pray with you this morning. If that's you, we want to pray with you this morning. Anybody online as well? Anybody who watches this later? Okay, I'm believing every person in this room. And if that's you and you're maybe self-conscious, maybe you don't feel like you were brave enough to raise your hand, you can pray this prayer. Come see one of us later. If you're online right now, we're going to pray this prayer. And we're going to believe that the Lord's work is done in your life. So let's pray right now. Say, Father God, I thank you for your love and mercy. I thank you for sending Jesus Christ 
to live a sinless life, to die on a cross in my place, to pay for my sins so that I could be restored to relationship with you. Jesus, I declare you are my Lord, you are my Savior, and I receive you in my life. And I want to walk every day to please you, to honor you, and be salt and light as you've called me to. Thank you for saving me. I love you. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, thank God this morning. Amen. 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 If that's you this morning, I, th I think I saw one hand, and then if you're online, we want to encourage you to reach out to us at nextstep at therockonline.org because we want to walk this walk with you. You are not called to walk any of this process alone. We are called to be discipled in the house of God, to be led, to be walking in community. So if that's you, don't allow the enemy to come in and then start to tell you other stuff, okay? He, he, he wants to come and say, man, that was fake. That was nothing real. There was nothing that you just did. But what we want to come alongside you and say, man, every bit of God's work in your life is real and he's working all things together for your good. Let's get together in his word. Let's pray together and let's see your life grow fruitful in Christ. Amen. So reach out to us if that's you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.